Alice Cooper, like all those greats, you know, like, like you can walk into those shows and not only do you forget where you are, but you forget how old you are too. Until the True. next day when you're sore as hell from a bang over, man. From, yeah. you know, just, you know. <laughs> I was talking to somebody about that the other day, how music uh, just can transport you back to wherever you were. Like, I forget what song it was, but a song came on. I was like, wow, I hadn't heard that in forever. And it mm. immediately brought me back to being like 16 in my room. I remember when I got that record. I remember how it felt. I remember how the room looked, how it smelled. It's amazing how music, how powerful it all is, how it just transports you, you know? It's awesome, man. You know, I, I couldn't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday. Like I literally had to think <laughs> about it. But on the spot, I can sing every lyric to Screaming in the Night by Crocus. I Even know. if I hadn't heard that song in like That's five years, funny. I could sing that song. You know? <laughs> That's so funny. You know why, though? Because it's important to you. You remember the things that are important. I can't remember the, the shit I learned in school but I, I remember, you know, side two of Led Zeppelin four. I got it memorized. You know, <laughs> like my teacher used teachers used to tell my parents, Don does great in creative writing and literature, but he does horrible in his other classes it's because he's not engaged. Like the things that he likes are the things he's going to excel at, you know. And so right. they, they were like, right. "Don't be disappointed if he doesn't become like a math professor <laughs> or anything." Sure. Yeah, I, I saw something the other day that was funny, too. There was a, uh, you know, the old school desks. It said the original, the original drum pad, and it had one of the desks. <laughs> I thought that was so funny because I can't tell you, I can't tell you how many beats I've banged out on those, <laughs> on those desks, man. And you like really sorrily peeled the paper off the top of the school box and wrote like all your band logos on it and shit. The that you'll uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny man that's i tell you man we're, in the, yeah. we're close to the same generation here man you know we, yeah. we could do this all day i know i know it's great seeing you and talking to you man i appreciate you having me on man no problem dude well thank you for doing it dude like well you know first year well happy new year you know we me you we made it we made yeah. it through a freaking pandemic dude like yeah we did another year man it's it's crazy what we've been surreal with all the stuff that happened and you know the way it affected me is it's like you know i don't think anything would surprise me anymore like if they said you know they discovered alien ships in san francisco i'd be like oh yeah you know that would be unfathomable a couple years ago but now it's like oh i, I could see that you know when are they landing in New Orleans? Right. <laughs> well, I hope they don't come here. They'll probably steal their ship. <laughs> we we now lead the uh, country in crime rate, and uh, oh, it, it's 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 so bad here, man. The the leadership in New Orleans, the 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 mayor, and and what we what we're saddled with here is it's sad because it's such a beautiful city. Um, it's a European city in America, but it's it's so sad how mismanaged it is. The crime is completely out of control. You almost can't go down in the city anymore. We were just down there for just a few days. You know, we stayed in the quarter you know, where, where the hotel was. You know, I kind of got to walk around a little bit and kind of get that, you know, I'm trying to reconnect with more of like my culture and my heritage, you know, as I'm getting older. And, sure. you know, and the way I try to explain it to folks about in like New Orleans is that like if you're from there, no matter how long you're gone, you're always just going to be there. I would never want to live there again. And even though I've been gone from there since 88 when I was in high school, I've gone back at least like every five, six years since then. And something just kind of tugs you back, just kind of reminds you, you know, mm -hmm. and by the way. Come here. This is where you're from. All right. You're yeah. done three days later. All right. See you in five years. I agree with you, man. It, there, there's something about this place that it's magnetic. And if you're from here, it it's something that will be in your blood forever. Um, 
I mean, there, there's a reason that Down, you know, called their their record NOLA, you know. People from New Orleans, it's bands and all, proud to be from here, you know. It's just something about this place that that makes it different from everywhere else. It's hard to put a finger on. But like I said, it, and that's what makes it so sad that it's so mismanaged and and dirty and, and crime infested. And, uh, you know, it's it's just it's a shame because it could be it could be Paris. You know, it could be a beautiful European city here with the architecture and it, it you know, so much possibility but it's just sad i don't think i'll see it in my lifetime maybe my kids will we got to see a touch of that when we were younger when i when i was growing up in metairie you know even in metairie you know it wasn't hard for us to just think that there that there was no, that new orleans was the world you know what i mean like i couldn't i couldn't really even imagine what anything else looked like you know because yeah. i never really left new orleans except to go to biloxi <laughs> You know, right. as a kid yeah it that's the world i, I get that yeah. so when we moved to atlanta i just remember going i do all the cities fucking look like this this is crazy right. <laughs> you know right. like what is this yeah. you know i think it's a real eye opener for um new orleanians when when they get out and you know not a lot of people get out actually you know you know inner city people but I mean, you know, when you get out to other cities and you travel and you go, wow, this is what it's supposed to look like. It's clean. And, uh, you know, the, the people are friendly and, the, you know, it, it's it's sad, man. We could talk about that all day, though. The last time we talked was I can't believe it's already been two years ago. Was that You were putting out your EP Godspeed, yeah. which was which was excellent. And it was really a great listen to me. And you know, you had Randy Jackson, which is you know, another another New Orleans bra in there. And um, yeah. But one of the things I really caught off of listening to that EP was that it was really an introspective collection of songs. And I know as artists, we're already putting ourselves out there as it is, but yeah, to be that transparent is sometimes a little, you know scary or whatever like what was it about troy marks in 2020 that felt like he needed to be that transparent and open up like that um i, I think I, you know it, it you know my name was on the record so it was something that you know uh i wrote the songs i wrote the lyrics I, when you're in a band so to speak and you're writing you know, you have different input from different people and you have a lot of uh, give and take and, you know, things like that. But when you're when you're doing it all on your own, it it tends to be more introspective, I think, because it's all it, it's you. I mean, you're really putting yourself out there. It's like if it if people hate it, you know, they're looking at you. It's not like, well, I wrote the good songs and the guitar player had the bad ideas. and. It's just, look, my name's on it. It's like, that record sucks. You suck, you know? So, but yeah, I, I, that would that would be the thing is, is you know, not to mention the fact that it was COVID and uh, we were all just kind of sheltered and stuck. And I just had a lot of time to really dig deep and think and ponder and, you know, um, but yeah, I appreciate the kind words, man. I, I, I love both of my records. I actually have another one in the can that's done. Um, I still have, I, it's just releasing it. You know, when do you release it? Um, how do you release it these days? You know, do you do a CD? Do you release it single at a time? Do you go out and try to play some shows? Finagling that around my you know other band schedules how do you work that it's just so i've been sitting on it for the last year so done and i'm really proud of it i got some great songs um but yeah so i'm looking forward to releasing that at some point and as a matter of fact um i redid a little bit of faith the razor white song um, no way that was a great tune i did i, did. I, I reworked it um, because that particular song was something that, uh, 
Jimmy and I came up with while we were recording and mm -hmm. he was just finagling around on the, on the acoustic. And I was like, wow, that that's cool. What is that? And he's like, Oh, nothing. And we sat down up in the front of the studio and in like five minutes came up with that verse and the chorus and the little bridge part. So the whole song on the razor white thing is only like two minutes long because right. it was just an idea we put together. Mm -hmm. so i actually fleshed out the rest of the song sort of completed it it's a little darker a little eerier mm -hmm. uh, new version that i have but it's cool i'm looking forward to releasing that soon i'll probably release that first um around the time of the the razor release it might might be a good idea to do it that way i don't know i'm flying into my pants don all <laughs> It's so interesting because the whole pandemic thing was a total game changer for a lot of us musicians and especially folks like you who are actually, you know, working like that's how you make your livelihood is, you know, playing and performing, you know, with, with no idea, you know, which is, you know, you're like one of the biggest wedding bands in the Southeast and you do the, mm -hmm. the Mardi Gras balls. And when that stuff kind of came, comes to a halt, you know so did the money <laughs> exactly everything came to a halt and we all looked at each other like what now mm -hmm. you know and, and and thank god for for and i hate to say it thank god for unemployment because mm -hmm. we we lived off of that for a year mm -hmm. um and then slowly but surely it it came back and we were really fortunate we had a great last couple of years it it all came back with a vengeance so we're yeah. doing great again and it was interesting to see how many artists actually were able to tell me things like that you know surprisingly that it agreed with them in some ways like they were like you know creatively they were you know we don't have to be on the we couldn't be on the road so we had to go right you know and work on a new album and figure out things and i feel like a lot of that is reflected in the music you know, like coming, you know, coming out on the heels of things. So it was really interesting to hear from certain artists how, you know, while it sucked and some of them even had to go get jobs again or whatever in the meantime until they could get back on the road and whatever. But so many of them had this kind of a positive outlook on it. And they were like, you know, it sucked, but they were like, we have to keep going. We can't just stop playing music because we can't hit the road, you know, and the quality of the music I, I'm hearing from some of these artists is like incredibly, you know, strong. Is that what kind of what went into your new stuff? For sure. For sure. It, it you know, I, I think it was a big reset button for everyone. Um, it, it, it made you, it, it forced you to, to, uh, to, to change, of course, like, I mean, nobody could leave the house. So what do you do? I mean, and I think as artists, I think the initial reaction for everybody was to just write and, uh, and, and it made things, as you said earlier, more introspective. It made things, um, uh, uh it, I think people's focus was solely on that. They weren't being pulled to get back on the road or do this or do that. They had, time to really just focus on the art so i i you know i i think it doesn't surprise me what you're saying that the mm -hmm. quality of music in your opinion was better um and just from my standpoint uh, like i said I, I think i have some great songs to just release that came out of that mm -hmm. um but it it forced us all to to go inward not just musicians or artists i mean i i think you know, a lot of people changed careers. A lot of people, um, you know, now work from home. A lot of businesses do things differently. It was the great reset. You know, it forced people to to look at things in a different way. Um, with all that said, I'm sure glad it's over, man. I, you know, being back out amongst uh, people and seeing people partying and having a good time and, and drinking, it's all part of the human condition. I think it's greatly needed. You know, when you're just stuck and you're just, you know, alienated from everyone, it, it, it becomes uh, depressing, I think, for a lot of people. I think it's good for like a month. You're like, great, I don't want to see anybody or be around <laughs> anybody. But 
that, like, wait, someone's ringing the bell. Who is it? <laughs> what is he? You're like, someone's walking their dog. I'm gonna go say hi. You know? The mailman. How you doing, man? Want to hear my new song? <laughs> hey, I got a new. Hey, here, take a CD, man. You know? it's like, Again, like it's, to kind of go back to like the last time we talked, like not only were we talking about your album, but we, we were really kind of like waxing nostalgically on a lot of the old days of New Orleans. And then like, bam, all of a sudden I get like what I thought was like some of the best news of the year that Razor White's music is going to see the light of day on like yeah. a bigger spectrum, you know, with um, um. Like, how did that happen? How did that come about? Well, over the years, I've I've gotten some calls and emails and, and people, you know, various people inquiring about, you know, putting the stuff out again. And I've always kind of just said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, you know, um, it, the, be it the timing wasn't right or the deal. I, I didn't feel like it was a good deal. I didn't feel like they'd do it justice. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I've, I've turned it down over and over. And, and then this last time, I don't know, must've been about a half a year ago. Now, uh, I got contacted by that lost realm records. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. and, uh, I was just, uh, I was really pleased with, um, you know, everything I heard. They're a really professional company. They're about the music it wasn't it didn't seem to be just a money grab um also they weren't immediately saying do you have any fill and selmo stuff <laughs> which you're kind of bracing yourself for every time someone brings up razor white you're like of course yeah and and, and nothing believe me look nothing against it's not nothing against phil it, it's just if if i did have phil stuff i'm i'm it's not my place to to give it to anybody um right but which I do, by the way, I do have a, some live recordings of Razor White with Phil that uh -huh. will never light a day from my standpoint. But anyway, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, you know, that that wasn't the first question. So, you know, that kind of stuck with me. And 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 just in general, it, it was a good deal. And then they offered me, you know, what I was looking for to do it. Um, so I just felt like something in my bones said, if you're ever going to do it now would, would be the time. And I'll be honest with you, you know, one of the things that always stopped me is the quality of the recordings because mm -hmm. they were never, um, they were never like records. They were always just demos that we did. Like we were trying to get a record deal and we'd scrape up me and go in the studio and, and do it all in one day or two days. And, you know, it wasn't like we spent hours on the drum sounds and it was just a great recording and it, encapsulated the band it it didn't it was you know something that when i heard it back i was like uh you know that i i can hear the possibility of what it could be the songs are great but the production value and all that you know so that kind of always stuck me from from releasing it but then you know i'm 55 so you get to a point where you go if you're ever going to do it you better do it now because you, you don't know what, what the future holds. So, you know, it made me say, yes, I'll take the deal. Let's do it. So I sent them the material. I sent them a couple of bonus tracks. We worked on the, the track listings and what we're going to put. They wanted to release both the black demo and then the just what the doctor ordered. So I was able to send them all the material along with a, a couple of bonus things, which is, I think it'll be cool for people that there's a couple of songs that I don't think anybody's ever heard before. Um, that'll be on that. Plus another thing is they said they'd release it on vinyl, which I thought was great. So I, that was something that made me want to take the deal with these guys, you know? Um, so that's how it all came about. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, and I'm more excited about it after just starting a little bit of social media and seeing the response to it, because, you know, I've gotten so many phone calls and so many, um, you know, emails and, and texts and, and people asking about it. it it's, mm -hmm. it's like, wow, it, it made me go, holy moly, people really do want to hear this stuff, you know?
So blessed, man. And this went beyond like just the typical New Orleans crowd because especially in the 80s and you know late 80s and even into the 90s, you know, like when I was in high school, I graduated in 92. But there was a heavy, like, you know, a lot of us who were really just music dorks were into bootlegs, you know, like we loved like, you know, demo tapes and, you know, bootlegged live shows and whatever we could get our hands on. We just wanted them regardless of the quality, you know? Yeah. And I remember I have, I still have it somewhere, the, uh, the, the black demo cassette. And yeah. I played it so much that the tape snapped off the uh, spool. I took that thing apart and I fucking got that spool thing and I taped it back on play, you know, I glued it back on place with some crazy glue glue, man. I played it for like, it's almost gray because I played it so damn much, you know? Yeah. But I made a copy of that cassette for uh, one of my buddies and he loved it. And then, you know, the two other guys that I hung out with, I made copies for them and we were all talking and I'll never forget that because this was like an, 10th grade or 11th grade or so in my senior year this guy that was hanging out with us at lunch one day said hey man you're from new orleans right i'm like yeah he goes dude i got this this demo from this band called razor white have you ever heard of him i said dude i started that fucking trend trading this tape man and he started to laugh but like that just kind of gives you an example of even just on that small level yeah like what a what what a universal level that that music you know your music reached out to people it seems to be that um there's a a big market in in europe for that stuff it's like Mm -hmm. um because the record company is uh i think it's from portugal am i I correct in saying that um so yeah how, how they found out about us and and wanted to put the you know they obviously they think it'll be successful or they wouldn't have you know, giving me the deal that they did. Right. Um, so there's, they believe there's a market for it. And then from my standpoint, just like I said, you know, I heard from people all over the world. I was like, holy moly. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm doing a uh, interview uh, soon with a Greek magazine. Like, I'm like, Greece? Really? <laughs> Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's just crazy the, the the response that that music has gotten. And like you said, I, I think, remember, I, we were speaking earlier about how music transports you. Oh, it yeah. takes, and I think that's what this does for a lot of people. I think it it takes people back to that time and that place. And it it's such a great, it was a great time for all of us. It mm-hmm. In listening to the material, it took me back and it really took me back because there's, there's lyric sheets on the CDs and the vinyl. Mm -hmm. So I had to actually sit down and, and write all the lyrics out. Right. And writing them, you know, a, it made me go, wow. I remember where I was when I wrote that line. I remember where I got that from. I remember how it smelled. I remember you know, everything about it. It's crazy how it all comes flooding back. And then B, it made me go, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> but I'm writing these lyrics. Oh my God, did I write? Um, but yeah, anyhow, so it's, uh, it, it was, it was really cool, man, to see the response that, that it got, you know, it, it, it made me feel good, man, that people, that people still care after all these years, it, it's still, relevant to people you know that they want to hear these songs they want to go back to that time and experience it all over again i remember being a kid sitting in my room listening you know listening to twisted sister and quite riot maiden and all these bands you know reading the magazines and of course you're reading about hollywood and la and all this stuff and like that just seems like so unfathomable like to me to even imagine getting out there but then like all of a sudden I hit this age, like around 87 or so where like I started to see bands, you know, like, you know, dark August, Victorian blitz, you know, uh, killer elite, Lillian ax, razor white, you know, all these bands. And then all of a sudden as a young musician, like me, what seems to be impossible suddenly seemed possible because I was like, 
dude, these are some fucking homeboys like in the from the neighborhood that are playing over at St. Christopher's CYO gym to like packed mm-hmm. room, you know, and I'm going, well, shit, if they can do, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it was really, you know, that was a pretty magical time, you know, for me. Yeah, it, it was, you know, it, it's funny you said that because like, that's what zebra did for me. Mm-hmm. Like I in 12 years old, standing in the CYO and, and, and St. Christopher and watching Randy Felix and guy. And it was tangible. Like, because prior to that, I grew up in new Orleans East. So, uh, you know, the whole scene was, I was kind of sheltered out there. Mm -hmm. I didn't body. I was, um, you know, sort of alone out there and I signed up for the Led Zeppelin fan club. Right. So every three months, maybe you get this flyer in the mail and it was like Christmas day and it was photocopied 800 times. So you could barely read it. It was black (laughs) picture. You couldn't even make out, but I would get that thing and it would transport me to England. You know, I would read every word of it and, and I could feel the mystery and the power of it all. And, you know, the new record is coming out, you know, soon. And I, Oh my God. Like, but then you take that, that, power and that mystery and a transportation of music and all of a sudden you're watching it live here's randy jackson and he sings like robert plant and he plays like jimmy page and i'm like that's what i want to do all of a sudden it becomes um maybe tangible you can taste it you can smell it you can touch it so you know for me it, it it became doable yeah so that's uh and I, I think i've told this story before you know and uh, but you know we were opening for zebra as a young younger band mm-hmm. and uh dark august at the time yeah and Ray came up to me in the dressing room after one of our shows and he's like man you um you got a good voice man but uh you need to train you need to train your voice mm-hmm. and i'm he said the next time i see you i'm gonna give you a tape that that you can sing to and i said okay you know and uh and i'll be damn if the next time we didn't play with him however many months later he gave me a cassette tape and it was him playing scales on a piano mm-hmm. so at the time they were opening for kiss in the superdome yeah. but he took time out of his life to sit down and play these scales to help me and that yeah. stuck my whole life. You know, I, I've become friends with him over the years and I've always thanked him immensely and, and given him credit, you know, for my career, really, because mm-hmm. I, every time I got in my car for 10 years, I popped that scale tape in and I would sing scales and it helped develop voice over the years, you know, and I have him to, to thank for that. But, you know, zebra was the one for me that made it real that made it this you know i can do this and then right. beyond to fall in with some people and and go out and it was a crazy time as you know mm-hmm. you know there were a lot of places to play um music at that time wasn't so subdivided into all these different genres of this and that and this and that it was just rock it was metal it was music so there was a big audience for it at that time. And uh, we were fortunate enough to um, to write some some good songs and and have a good time. It was a time of my life. I tell you that. And the scene also wasn't like how it, how like it is around, you know, over the past decade or maybe even 25, 30 years where it didn't suffer from oversaturation. Because you didn't have things like social media and home recording where like everybody who had a garage band could churn out a album or, you know, whatever. So it's like, you know, in my mind, like the shows that I used to go to that I used to love the most, it was almost, um, yeah, I mean, for better use of the word, kind of like somewhat incestuous in the sense that like everybody seemed to always end, you know, at some point end up back on the same bill with each other, you know? So, yeah, you know, it was very rare that I would go see, you know, Lillian Axe or Razor White or Victorian Blitz and not see at least one of the other ones on that bill at some point, 
Yeah, it was a small musical community, and still is. And uh, and everybody knew everybody, and there wasn't a lot of competition or infighting. Everybody tried to to help everybody else, and and you know we everybody got along. It was such a great time, and everybody brought something different too, which was cool. You know, there was there was so many metal bands back then. There was so many bands, but at the same time, everybody had their own spin. You know, yeah. I mean. You listen to Zebra, and that's one thing, you know. You listen to Blaze and and Lillian X, and and that's genius level stuff mm-hmm. from day. I mean, Steve is is just unbelievable songwriter, guitar player. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just and still are phenomenal live band, phenomenal studio band. But um, and then even down to like um, you know my my man Glenn Farley, Whiskey Wild. You know they were. They were like groovy and bluesy and cool. Uh, Glenn and Brian Felder they had some great songs. Um, were they the ones that had "I Love My Motorcycle"? Was that them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's Brian Felder and Farley. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Frazier was the drummer uh, in that band. He played with me in um, in No Idea for years. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, bless him, he he passed away you know, in the last few years. So oh, I didn't know that. No, no. With us anymore. But but Jimmy was a phenomenal drummer, a phenomenal guy. But yeah, mm. every 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 band kind of had their own little spin on things. It's not like everybody was playing the same stuff, you know, it was different. There was so there really was. There was so much diversity. And you know, even growing up as a metalhead in general as a kid, a, a conversation I frequently have with my best friend is that we talk about how it w- also wasn't so compartmentalized, you know, like there weren't like tons of sub genres and stuff like that, that it, it just got to the point where, I mean, obviously there were like the diehard rivet heads, you know, but there were also yeah. people like me who was, who would, who would just, you know, if it was good and it appealed to me, it was, I liked it. You know, it was, all, I always used to say it was the benefit to being uncool was that you didn't have to justify your like your musical likes to anyone else except for like the three guys you hung out with, you know. So it wasn't right. weird to totally be into like, you know, rat and poison, but then to also be into Queensryche, but then to also be into Megadeth. You know what I mean? And yeah, I feel like the New yeah. Orleans scene was that same way because you know, you had, you know, Kirk and Victorian Blitz were doing more of like the maiden almost kind of Mm -hmm. thrashy stuff at time razor white was more of like that that kind of very over the top it it really reminiscent of like that 80s metal you know what i mean like it was to me it was when i think of that demo that black tape i think like that opening scream to never cry wolf and going jesus christ how did he do that man was he stepping on his nuts or something i don't know how he did you know i don't know how i did that either (laughs) Again, there was so many different uh, styles and so many different bands and everybody brought their own flavor. And I think that's why we were all able to kind of play together and and have different bills. And and the cool thing about it, too, was is everybody's playing their own stuff. You know, Um, you might throw a cover or two in the set, you know, but for the most part, it's all everybody's playing their own music, which was which was excellent. and then to see the success that that some of the guys have had just you know warms my heart you know kirk and those guys are, are killing it man i'm i'm so um so happy for him he was always such a great dude and still is he's always been kind to me and supportive of every release that i've ever put out he's reached out and you know said good job or like the t- new tune or whatever and you know, just really kind to me um but I mean, how many albums have, has Crowbar released now and still touring the world? And got to give it up to those guys. It's not just a, um, not just a, a fleeting thing. It's their life, you know. It's become R, and I, you got to admire that, man. That's that. I give them all the credit in the world. Yeah, it was really interesting when Crowbar started to really kind of make an impact in the metal scene, especially with the. Um the first couple of first two records 
And I remember being like, okay, so they're from New Orleans. And I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, they had to have been in other bands. And the minute I saw Kirk's name, and I was like, that's the fucking dude from Victorian Bliss, man. <laughs> like, and then I saw his picture, and all I could think of was like, wow, man, he's come a long way from the spandex and mullet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but he was great back then, man. I mean, he was a great guitar player. Um, and then Kyle, too, you know, Exhorter is back with a vengeance. I keep up with Kyle, you know, semi-regularly just through Messenger and stuff. And that last album they put out was one of the best metal albums. Dude, that is so good. And he is singing better than, he's my age, man. He's got to be, you know, 50s. And uh, and he's singing better than he ever has. He he does a, um, uh, a Dio tribute down here in new orleans dude uh hear him sing the dio stuff goodness gracious yeah he's he's always been great he's another guy that's always been kind to me so all you know all love for kyle man he's a fabulous singer so it was interesting because i remember exhorter exhorter was kind of towards you know a little later for me when as i was getting ready to kind of move out of town you know like by the time you know slaughter in the vatican came out you know i was already moved to Atlanta but one of the things I was always curious to ask you was that you know so you had like a, you had like Crowbar obviously right who you know obviously you know the Victorian Blitz and they kind of went the slugs and then they were Crowbar and like they yeah. kind of they evolved to be this thing yeah. that they found to be home of sorts and then create something for themselves was was there ever an idea or a thought in your case where you were like, maybe I should do that. Or was it more like that? It just naturally wasn't there to move away from what you had been doing for so long. And so naturally. Yeah, I, I think it, uh, I think it was just life for us. You know, we had been a band for a while. We had been on the road for a while. We had been slogging it out. We had been to New York and auditioned for the record companies and, and and done all the stuff and just did the this last demo, by the way, that no one's ever heard. There's a whole nother batch of razor white songs that no one has ever heard. And I plan that next after this. There'll be a new razor white record. Mm -hmm. Um but that uh that batch of songs didn't garner the interest that we were hoping for. Um, and I think everybody was just really discouraged at, at the lack of, of progress. And it, it, you know, again, life getting in the way. My father was really sick at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, you know, am I going to stay out here in Cincinnati and the Midwest for another year and, and travel around the country? Or am I going to go home and spend the last you know, remaining time I can with my father. So that that kind of was where my head was at the time. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd try to figure it out, you know, be with my family a little bit and try to figure out my next move. And also, you know, um, all of the, the bands that were coming out then, like Exhorter and, and, you know, Crowbar came later, I believe. But, you know, yeah. those bands you know, took everything that preceded it, all, you know, the Razor Whites, the Whiskey Wilds, all those bands, you know, they were a whole nother animal. They were way heavier, no image. There wasn't a lot of girls at Exhorter shows, you know, they were playing VFW halls and they were you know, hits. And, and, you know, at the time it was a lot of screaming and I couldn't really relate to that at that time. Like right, it, it right. wasn't in me. It just wasn't. And I felt like if I was going to try to be that person, it would have been kind of phony, I think. Um, you know, I was more of a, you know, Judas Priest, Iron Maiden kind of high, you know, mm -hmm. singing guy. I wasn't the the screaming, barking kind of singer. So right. it's become, what are you going to do? What do you do? You know, mm -hmm. so I just, you know, life is, man, what it is. And it's like it you know everything happens the way it's supposed to and i think if it was meant for razor white to to evolve and continue on it would have happened that way but it didn't so it 
you know, and again, all I have all the respect in the world for those guys because, um, you know, Kirk and uh, Kyle and, you know, Phil, all those guys who came out of this scene and became, you know, on the international level earned it, you know, all earned it. Um, they've all written great songs and been great people and they earned it the hard way. So I have nothing but love for those people. And uh, at the same time, you know, my life has been blessed from day one, man. Mm-hmm. I've been able to do music for 30 years, for 35 years, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I can't complain. I, I can't I can't bemoan my fate in any way. I love one of the things, I love what you said about if you would have tried to go morph into something like that, that you would have felt phony or that you would have felt like you weren't being true to yourself because that was such a strange time where like bands that like I knew from a specific genre, especially the hard rock genre. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, so now you're cutting your hair short. You're wearing flannel. You're kind of moping on this. I was like, that doesn't feel right. Like that wasn't who you were. And I wonder sometimes, like, let's say if you would have tried that and not done well, like, would it have been harder on you to look back and go, God, I can't believe I actually attempted to be something I wasn't. And you have a, but you can have now a sense of pride of being like, I've always just been me, you know? True. At the same time, um, I, I would, being honest with you, I think we kind of lost our way in Razor White a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear the evolution from the black demo to the just with the doctor ordered stuff. And that evolution came not so much naturally, honestly, even though I'm proud of those songs. And I have, you know, I mean, absolutely no disrespect to anyone when I say this. Right. But it was always, hey, if you guys write more commercial material you have a better chance of success mm-hmm. you know and actually the opposite was true if we had stuck to our guns and continued writing judas priest iron maiden you know kind of stuff i think we would have been better off in the long run but we started chasing it with the you know the ballads and the and the this and the that trying to um write more commercial material and uh and kind of lost our way a little bit and i think that's another reason that it didn't continue on because we had sort of lost our our focus of who we were i don't think we knew who we were at the very end yeah you know it's really funny because one of the another thing that i always meant to tell you and i don't know if i did was that when skid row's second album slave to the grind came out like i said even in high school i just remember in my mind thinking like this could be razor white like to me like and even looking back on it now i mean mainly because razor white and not just because i'm talking to you obviously but you know you were like one of, you were like my favorite singer in town you know and like you know the the band was have you guys did the best cover of the boys are back in town you know and you know you know i always wanted to hear come on strong as the opener you know what i mean so like things like that stuck with me and so when i heard just what the doctor ordered I liked it, but I was like, that's not where I thought they were going to go from that black demo. And then when I heard Slave to the Grind by Skid Row, I was like, that could have been where they they would have. Absolutely. But again, that that was never really meant for public consumption. It wasn't something that, okay, well, you know, this is our evolution and this is what we want to be. Those were just songs that we were writing to send to record companies and say, you know, this is who we are, sign Mm -hmm. us. Um, And then it got to the point where we're out here starving. Why don't we just slap it together and put a cover on it and we can sell it at the shows? Yeah. And again, everything we're talking about, Don, you know, I was, you know, 22, 23, 24. We were kids. Like, there was no, there was no, like, everything we did, we had no real plan for. You know what I mean? There was nobody guiding the career and talking about the, the, you know, where we should go and why and, 
market studies and all, you know, you look back on it now at 55 and go, you know, okay, I see it clearly now, but then it was just, you know, how many people can we fit in one hotel room at the next gig? That was all that in your head, really, you know? How many tacos can we get from Taco Bell for 10 bucks? You know, <laughs> like, you know, that Waffle House at the time had an all you can eat special. Um, no. <laughs> you would go there at like, I forget um, what time it ended, but we'd have to go early. And uh, it was like all you could eat for like 10 bucks. So we'd sit there and just fill up because that was all you were going to get that day, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll never – every time I pass one of those, it reminds me of that. <laughs> but those are the important things, you know what I mean? Where are you going to get food from? Um, how are you going to get gas to get to the next city? Mm -hmm. um, those things were were on your mind more than – you know, what, uh, you know, what direction are we going for Atlantic records to sign us? And, uh, you know, you're just flying by the seat of your pants, man. And to, to not have those regrets though, is so refreshing to talk to somebody like that. Like, you know, you've, you've always been one of my favorite people to talk to on doing, you Thank know, you. like, you know, at least every two years we're going to do this anyway. So it doesn't matter, but, um, I hope I'm here in two years but go oh, I, dude if you're not i'm gonna be close behind you so you need to be you know so <laughs> but you know so i think with like you said like with 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 the no regrets coming you know with the past like that makes it easier hopefully for you to look back at this razor white stuff as you're putting it out and maybe even with a sense of pride you know so the obvious question here is going to be with the re-release of things of course people are going to expect a reunion like is this something that is even imaginable like and like and how has the reaction been from the other guys as far as like this whole process goes um when when i was first approached with with this deal and mm -hmm. it apparent that okay I, I think i should really consider it this time so I really started looking into it and it became something that one day I said, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to sign the deal. We're going to put it out. When that happened, um, obviously, I wanted to do everything the right way. So I got in touch with all the guys um, one at a time and, and told them what I was doing. And it, it, they were all very supportive, very, very kind. But at the same time, I so far removed from the music business, most of them, it's kind of unfathomable for them to just jump back on stage and start playing Razor White songs. While they're supportive of the project, um, they're also not really interested in jumping back and and reliving the, the past, you know? Right, yeah. They've been out of it for so many years. It's like... And I respect that. It's like, you know, for me, I, I did three gigs last week, you know. So for me, it's another gig. I, I could jump up. I, I got a Made in L.A. show coming up, you know, where I'm singing Aiden. So I'm in, I'm in shape to do all that stuff. For those guys, it'd be equivalent to like an athlete that's been out of the game for 15, 20 years. And now it's like, come back and play these Razor White songs in front of all these people. Right. Um just I, it's not 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 gonna happen mm -hmm. um so that sort of lends itself to um what do you do like i would love to do you know a, a razor white reunion show um but would anybody be interested in it if it was just me and a band you know what i mean um I don't know the answer to that. So I'm I'm not really sure if we're going to do anything live at this point. I'm still sort of kind of pondering all that. The last thing in the world I'd want to do, of course, if I were to do it, I could get a great band together that would perform the material. I can still sing the material. Yeah. But it wouldn't be the original band. So, you know, again, would it be um something that is uh is cool to do? Would it be you know, or would it, I don't want to tarnish the legacy in any way. Right. You know, so 
I'm just I'm still unsure how to approach mm -hmm. all of that. You know, it's and it's really interesting because I was just reading something about Mike Tramp from White Lion, um, who's going to do a tour this year or something. And I was never really a White Lion fan, but what what I appreciated was he was talking about how he you know, is going out and he's doing all these, you know, basically just, you know, the songs that he wrote that were White Lion songs. And he was like, you know, these are my songs. I'm going to go play them. But like yeah. Vito Brada, the guitar player, you know, almost every time tramp does something they're always like well what about Vito brought it he's like look man the dude hasn't yeah. even been on a stage since 1992 like or 93 they were like he was just like it's highly unlikely that that would happen and yeah. in some ways there's a level of disappointment you know because obviously like if you were just like dude psycho steve's getting back on the drums da, 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 i'd be like let me buy my plane ticket right now do you know what i mean like and obviously that's no disrespect to you because if you announced that you were doing a razor show, I'd still buy a plane ticket and fly to new Orleans and go see it because I want to hear those songs after so long, you know? Yeah. But yeah. there, there is a sense of reluctancy I could see, but you know, I think personally, those are, those are as much your songs as they were the other guy's songs. So, you know, people want to hear those songs again. And while I'm sure it would be great to see the band, you know, it'd be awesome to hear, you know, what my eyes have seen. Yeah. <laughs> with you on vocal, you know what I mean? Because that's what I identify with. Yeah. I, again, man, I appreciate you, you saying that because I, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about it. I, I don't know if it would be the thing to do. Cause I, again, I, I wouldn't want to disappoint anybody. I wouldn't want anybody to go, you know, why is he up there? Where's the rest of the band? This sucks. You know what I mean? And, and I get that. Like people want to relive it. People want to um, want to go back to that time and they want to see Jimmy and Matt and, and Steve and, and Wilbur. And, you know, I, I get that. I'd love to see it, too. I wish we could snap our fingers and just transport back and everybody's there ready to play. But that's, you know, it's just not life. It's not the way things work. So. And I love those guys, man. I got to be, honest with you. I'm, I was so honored to, to get asked to be in that band to begin with. Um, I was in dark August and Phil left and they asked me to be in razor white. I'll never forget that feeling. And I still have that feeling, you know, I've always heard that they asked me to, to be the singer. Um, it was some of the greatest times of my life. And I'm, I'm so happy. Everybody in the band has gone on to, to lead a productive life and, and be happy and in mm -hmm. their life. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. And now these years later, you know, we're kind of, you know, I'm going to revamp this thing and there's interest in it and people want to hear it. So I don't know, man, I, I, I guess maybe I'll put a poll out or something, you know, did, would you like to hear a razor white song, a razor white show with, with just Troy, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'll bet I'll be honest. I mean, just look back at the past of anybody, the great David Lee Roth did it. Stephen Pierce, he's done it. Brett Michaels has done it. Like without all of those original guys, I'll be honest, as big of a fan as I, as I am of rat, if I went to go see Steven Piercy live, I would do so as quick as I would go see rat, not because Warren DeMarney would be up there, but because I'd be getting to hear wanted man and lay it down and round it. Yeah. But with the guy who wrote the songs and was the voice of the, you know what I mean? And so to me, I would support that as a, as a razor white fan, because I wasn't a fan of the people. I didn't know you guys. I was a fan of the songs. Songs. Yeah. I, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I don't see you as I, I appreciate your opinion, man, your, your opinion, very valid. And, um, and, and especially with all the music knowledge and, and years of experience that you have in dealing with fans. I, I'm glad we, we were able to bring this up because I, I appreciate you saying that maybe it is something that I can uh, I can, you know, do down the line when the release happens or a little after the release at this point, because it's yeah. coming up. But yeah, maybe we can can do a a local show and uh, and see how it goes. I know I, I could put a great band together. I, I got a lot of great musicians and great talent here. Oh, yeah. That do it. Um, so it's just a matter of, of doing it, 
you know. But again, last thing in the world that I'd ever want to do would be to to disappoint anyone or to tarnish the legacy of of the band because for what it was at that time, it meant something to a lot of people. And uh I, I wouldn't want to step on that or or take any light away from that in any way. Well, I don't think you would. I think you'd be doing the fans a, a huge service by even just being able to present those songs live again for after so many years, but I'm going to put that in your ballpark, but always know I'm going to go to the mat for you on this because I want to hear those fucking songs, dude. I'm not kidding you, man. Come on, dude. (laughs) Last time I saw you guys was 1990, man. Yeah. Yeah. I could still sing, man. I could sing all of those songs right now. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm ex- I'm excited, man. After talking to you, I mean, maybe it's something I should should work towards, you know. Well, all I'll ask is just, just put me on the list, man. I'll be there. I appreciate that. You got it. Absolutely. <laughs> well, so when so when is that? When is the release for the albums? I think I think it's February the twenty third. I think. Yeah, and I know that the pre-orders are available now, so you can go um, to either Lost Realm Records. I think that's where you can get it for now. Um, but the uh, uh, the Razor White Facebook page will be is updated pretty regularly, so that'll that'll let you know. I don't think the vinyl's coming out in the initial pressing, but I think it, from what I've been told, it should be shortly after. So it shouldn't be long that the vinyl will be available and are we gonna be able to get razor white shirts too man because i was thinking about doing some shirts man totally yeah so what do you want to see on the shirt don i don't know you know what i, I gotta tell you a story real quick before we go is that but so when i saw you guys at saint christopher's it was razor, razor white uh whiskey wild and gunslinger and um I was already in New- in georgia but i'd come back to visit a friend uh and my grandmother in metairie and I had this T-shirt that had like a cartoon of you guys, like in a hot rod. It had razor white on the and 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 like I wore that shirt till it was like threadbare. I wore it to yeah. a crowbar show here in Atlanta at the Masquerade, and Steve jo- Steve Joseph was their tour manager at the time. He didn't wow. know me from jack shit, and the minute he saw me, he looked at me and he goes. We need to get you a new fucking shirt, man. <laughs> he gave me a crowbar shirt. And he was like, where the hell did you get that? And I told him about being from New Orleans or anything. But I always thought that design was badass. But, uh, you know, I don't know. That is so cool. Yeah, I, I don't know where where we could get that design. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I have the logo and everything. So that that's something I was I was thinking about doing, too. It was doing a run of shirts to sell with the, um, you know, with the uh, CD and the vinyl and all. So I'm pretty sure we'll be doing that soon. I'll probably sell those through my website. Um, I have an online store where I sell, you know, all my Troy Mark stuff. So that would be at Troy.com. Um if you go there, uh, I'll I'll get those razor shirts done pretty quickly. Man, Troy Marks, it is always so great to talk to you, my friend. Thank you. You as well. I appreciate you having me. And um, quick plug, man, TroyMarks.com. Both of my solo records are on there, T-shirts. I'll have some razor white T-shirts coming up pretty soon on there. Um, follow me on all the social media stuff. Um and yeah, man, let let's let's relive the past and get that razor stuff out there, and maybe we can do a show. You're the best, Troy, man. Always, always the best, man. Thank you. I appreciate your time, and uh, and you look great, man. It's good, uh, good seeing you. Good talking to you again. <laughs>